0: Hello and happy new year. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of all things rotary a CDS podcast on today's episode Sarah and I dive into a few tricky questions that we have recently received from members and we explain the policy and the ways it can be utilized to fit the needs of your club. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to this next episode of All Things Rotary, CDS podcast, and Happy New Year. We are in January, so Happy New Year to everyone. Um, 2022, hopefully it's a good one. It will be, because you're all listening to this podcast, and you're going to be informed, and your club's going to do really, really well because of it. But we have a special episode today because we are going to be talking about some of the most common questions that we get, and maybe not necessarily the most common questions, but some of the more interesting questions that we get So I'm here with my colleague and partner in crime, Sarah. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Yeah, so we uh, decided that we wanted to look into our own inboxes, right? Our emails that we get many, many emails from all different people all over the world asking us questions all the time. It's a big part of our job. And so we we wanted to look to see a few of those special emails that we get in that we think can be most helpful for you listeners. um, That can be applied to your clubs, applied to your work and your service outside in the world of Rotary. So we have a couple different questions we're going to go through right now. Um, So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Let's go with the first one, Sarah.
1: All right. So the first question we have from a Rotarian is, is a person allowed to be an active and honorary member in the same club? We have a member who has been a part of our club for 30 years. We thought that honorary membership would be a great way to respect their years of service in the club. Can we do that?
0: Great question. And the short answer is no. Unfortunately, you cannot do that. According to their standard Rotary Club Constitution in Article 8, Section 5, it says that no member shall simultaneously belong to this and another club and another set of the club or be an honorary member of this club. So that means in short, you can't be an honorary member and an active member of the same club.
1: Yeah. And I think really, when I look at this question, what they're actually asking is maybe it's a member who's been a part of the club. I mean, they have been a part of the club for a really long time, but maybe they're not able to still fulfill the same duties or expectations according to the standard Rotary Club constitution about like their attendance policy and things like that. And so to me, it sounds like they're asking for a way or looking for a way to lift some of the other responsibilities. And there is actually another solution that's also located in the standard Rotary Club constitution And that's in the section on attendance, which is Article 10 in Section 5B. And so it's also known, I think, locally as the rule of 85. And essentially what it says is the sum of a member's age and their years of membership equals 85 years or more. And so that could be another solution for this club if they're looking to, they want to make sure that the member maintains their status as a Rotarian, but that they're not required to attend every single meeting.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think you nailed it on the head there, Sarah. Um, it's really finding out what they're actually after, right? And so for an honorary member, because they can't hold office, they can't vote, they can't do anything, right? right. It's, it's more of just an honor for somebody to be an honorary member. But in many cases whenever we get these types of questions we have to think about well what are you actually asking and they don't and they usually don't they they want more than an honorary membership they still want them to be active and and participating they just maybe like you said can't do everything that um that maybe for whatever reason you know a fully active member can do and so things like the rule of 85 um are really great also as we always say it's a great time to look at your attendance policy in your in your in your club bylaws and see what else you can work in there to help out other situations.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. and then one last thing that I also just whenever I ever hear honorary membership I'm, a way that a lot of clubs can use that is I think of a lot of scenarios where I'll have a member who will ask to be active in two clubs, and the reason might be because they Um, maybe they're like a snowbird. So they travel somewhere else for the winter months. And so they're very active in another club and honorary membership would be a great solution in that case, because they could still have some sort of acknowledgement or connection to this other club, um, even though they can't be an active member in both. So that's like a way that honorary membership can also be utilized.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah, I think those are great examples.
1: Yeah, we'll move on to the next problem.
0: Yeah, solved solved all issues.
1: (laughs) Problem solved. Can we do Uh, another
0: question? Yeah, let's do the next one. Um, So this one came in to our email and it says, I am looking for a conflict of resolution policy for members so I can create a local policy for our club. Essentially, a process to follow in the instance of conflict between members, leaders, et cetera, to prevent escalation. Can't find anything. Can you let me know if you have one? And if not, is someone working on one?
1: I love this question. Um, So to quickly to quickly answer, the answer is, yes, we do have there's a policy which is outlined also in the standard Rotary Club Constitution. On arbitration and mediation, and that's Article 17. But before I think you even get to the point where you might need to escalate an issue to like to a level of needing to ar- ar- for arbitration or mediation, I would also recommend just talking to the member first. What do you think, Nick?
0: Um, You're exactly right, Sarah. Article 17. In the standard Rotary Club constitution, if there is need for arbitration and mediation, is the way to go. But totally, like I think, just from like a practical standpoint, if you can have a conversation and actually talk to the other person, it oftentimes just really does help and kind of stops it before it really gets um, gets anywhere that it doesn't need to. If you can if there is that that there's a problem between you and that another person or two individuals that just won't talk. Maybe you're a club president and there's two people in your club that won't speak to each other. Find somebody that maybe could an assistant governor, um, a district governor, district governor elect, any, any other type of district officer, you know, try to have them kind of facilitate that conversation.
1: Yeah. And even the the club's board is another option. If it's just like, if it's between two members, um, you know, if there's an added complication, if it's like between a member of the club's board, uh, you might want to then connect with an assistant governor or someone, but there are lots of opportunities to connect locally first before um, escalating it. Um, Another thing, another resource that we do have, there are a growing, I always like to, highlight the learning center. And they're, they're always adding new courses all the time. And there is a course in the learning center on conflict resolution, which is, I think, understanding the essentials of conflict resolution, I think is the name of it. And what's great about that is that could be, I would recommend perhaps every member take that course. So that way the club is aware, they're all kind of on the same page of how problems should be resolved between members. Um, But then, yes, of course, we do have uh, the policy that's outlined in the SRCC that you could always use uh, or should be used as a guideline. And, of course, you can also contact CDS. You can contact us. If you don't remember who your specific club and district support officer is, they can just email cds at rotary.org, and we'll also be happy to walk them through the policy and what steps that would need to be taken.
0: Exactly. And I mean, I think we're just going to bring this up in every single question because it's it's such an important aspect is really just looking at your club bylaws. I mean, how can you incorporate things into your club bylaws to proactively avoid conflict, right? Is your due structure clearly outlined? Is your attendance policy clearly outlined? Is the membership um, evaluation, you know, like accepting members, are all these things outlined in a way that whenever conflict does arise, it's clearly stated in your club bylaws. And that way you can kind of, like I said, proactively avoid some of these issues before they even become an issue.
1: And one thing I'll add on to that, Nick, is equally as important is to have is to update your club's bylaws because that will also give a space and to do that collectively as a club, because that will give members the space to identify what's working and what's not working for them anymore. And, and that way you can kind of get out any before, again, before those issues like escalate or tension escalates between members, it could be about the frequency of meeting or the way clubs are meeting. That's like adding to the level of frustration or whatever, whatever it might be. And so I do think that having like, well, it's not the most exciting club meeting you could possibly have to update your, your bylaws. I do think that it can help prevent, I can help like, yeah, prevent any sort of conflict to arise or reduce the amount of them at least.
0: Totally. All righty. Another one solved. No, another another <laughs> crisis solved and averted. You're welcome, world. Um, shall we move on to the next crisis?
1: <laughs> yes, this one. Oh, this is a great one, Nick. So I'll, it, I'll read me this up. one off. Okay. So the question is: My club is working on our tax exempt status. Can RI help us with that?
0: So the short answer is yes and I'll get into the long answer. But before I do anything, let's just preface that this is really only for US specific clubs um, that have to deal with the IRS. So if you're in Canada, um, of course, reach out to us if you have a society uh, situation that you need handled Um, in other parts of the world, please reach out to your CDS officer as well if anything is needed. However, in the United States, if you are a club um, and you work with the IRS, What happens is Rotary International, as an organization, is a 501c4 organization. Because of that, we have what's called a group exemption. So a 501c4 group exemption. Every single club in the country um, can join that group exemption. It's very simple. All you have to do is apply for an EIN, and you send us a copy of that EIN with a note saying, hey, my club would like to join your group exemption. We will then add you onto that group exemption, and from henceforward, your club would be federally exempt or exempt from federal taxes, essentially. Now that would mean you'd also be considered a 501 C4 organization. Now, you have the option if you want to start your own 501 C3 foundation, because as a C4, you can't receive tax-deductible donations. So if many people start a foundation, if that's what you do you want to do? Totally optional, totally up to you. And you're kind of on your own with that one. Um, As far as the C4 and maintaining that is every year you have to file a 990. It's an annual form. So this is the one thing you have to do to stay on our group exemption. And you file that every single year. And that means that you can stay on that group exemption. If you miss that three consecutive years in a row, the IRS will revoke your status. And you'll have to go through the recertification process on your own through the IRS.
1: That's a lot of information. Thanks so much. Very informative.
0: <laughs> yeah. But but I think it's important also just to, to realize that, that this is optional, right? So the reason why, and one of the questions we get all the time is like, well, I thought this was automatic. I thought my club just automatically was in the group exemption. Right um but it's 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 an option right you don't have to join the group exemption and so that's why we require we need legally we need clubs to actually request to join and then we can add you um it's not not a requirement but you do have that option if you want to do it
1: yeah i think that kind of reemphasizes like rotary clubs are autonomous and i think that's part of it so it, it, that's part of the reason why it's a it's an option
0: mhm totally yeah so Feel free to, like the other situations, reach out to your CDS officer if you have questions. Um, If you have in-depth questions, always consult with a local tax professional as well, as we are not tax professionals, but we do our best to understand the system um, that is navigating the world of the IRS as well. All right. Last question that we have for you guys, last email, I should say, is the following. I'm a club president, and I've been struggling to figure out how to make the best decision for my club in terms of how and when to meet. Some members want to meet in person again, while others don't feel ready. I feel stuck in the middle. When our club originally formed, we met in person, and it was an important part of our club's identity. Now our members have a range of views on what our identity should be moving forward. What should I do?
1: This is a tough question, but a, a great one. I think this is this is a, a question that we've definitely been receiving a lot more frequently um, in the last year or so. I would say. I don't know about you, Nick. Um, and the first thing that comes to mind is, I'm going to say it again. It's to look at your club's bylaws, and this could be a great opportunity, like we previously mentioned, to update your club's bylaws and to have a meeting to discuss them because I agree the identity of your club it's not it's not going to be the same it's not permanent and there's always going to be changes because that's just like your the needs of your members are going to be different uh, depending on the year and their own life experiences and what they're currently going through or as your club adds new members and so in order to reflect the current membership, it is really important to take the time to update your club's bylaws. And the reason for that is because that, your bylaws is where you identify the frequency of your club meetings. It's also where you would identify your club dues. Um, And so I think before, a long time ago, there was a policy about, you know, clubs had to meet every week. And I think at the 2016 council on legislation that changed. So now clubs only they must meet only twice a month. And so this could be a great opportunity to think about how frequently your club needs to meet. It could be an opportunity to say, do you always have to meet in person? Could you have service projects in place of a meeting? Um, what else am I forgetting, Nick?
0: No, I think, yeah, I think this is perfect. I mean, I think there's buzzwords that we love in, in society, but also in rotary and like flexibility is a buzzword that we hear all the time, like being flexible, you know, kind of doing all this stuff, being inclusive. And really, this is a perfect example of flexibility, right? Flexibility is the, is being able to, to adjust, Right to different meeting structures, to um, having a service project, project in lieu of an, a traditional meeting, having maybe one 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 of your meetings a month be in person, one being online to kind of help those who can't do it, doing a hybrid meeting if you have the means to do so. And this flexibility will breed and yield hopefully more inclusivity. And having more options and more flexibility will allow more people. A, a more diverse people from all over the place to join your club and to participate in your club. If you only offer one thing and you're never willing to change from that, it's just not going to help your club grow, and it's not going to help you know people feel included in that sense.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing I get from this question in particular is it sounds to me like this club president is is feeling like it's their sole responsibility to make this decision for their club. And so another point that I would like to emphasize is one, as club president, you don't have to make this decision by yourself. It should be made by your club as a whole. Um, It does sound like your club is at a point where a discussion needs to be had to kind of figure out what your your club's identity is going to be um, moving forward. I think another thing I think about is um, if you're feeling overwhelmed by trying to manage a hybrid meeting, or maybe you're not um, the most like tech savvy of all your club members, and that's okay. Part of being a leader is to be great at delegating, and so to utilize more of the of your club members to see is there someone who would be willing to step up and kind of help out with managing that hybrid aspect of it, um, of handling the tech. If that's not something that you feel comfortable with, um, or for people who forget to, you know, include the people who are on zoom instead of, or whatever your like platform is, um, and to have someone who is responsible for making sure those, those members are feeling included in a part of the meeting. So I think like delegation is also key in order to manage whatever this club's identity is going to continue looking at.
0: Yeah. Yeah using resources use your resources like you said within your club delegating use your resources within your district finding your zone you know finding out if your district already has something in place that can assist you with that resources that way find out if your zone has that and then of course use your club and district support officer you know bounce ideas Uh, we're regional experts i cover 39 different districts across the western side of the united states and canada sarah covers for 39 40 districts all on the eastern side in canada like we have a lot of uh, a lot of contacts with a lot of different people, and so you know, reach out to us and see if we can kind of help with that. But I think we uh, I think we we nailed these, Sarah. If you don't don't you think?
1: Oh yeah, I think we we've solved all of Rotary's problems.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. Um, it's been a pleasure to kind of go through some of these questions, and and as always, please reach out to club and district support. Um, reach out to your your resources, like we said, and. Uh, We'll keep going with this thing.
1: Yeah, this was fun. Send us your questions. We'll answer them on this podcast.